So today we're going to talk about uh, the benefits uh, of the resurrection and uh, the benefits that we receive for those who are in Christ uh, as a result of the resurrection. Uh, We're going to kind of think through a number of things, and so I'll I'll explain it to you multiple different ways. But uh, one thing just to kind of think about as we move through um, uh, is just that, that there are things that the resurrection Uh, assures us in and we need to hear those I think over and over so it ensures that we have been acquitted in the highest court God's court freed from the bondage of sin and that our funeral is not final so we're going to look at those three things Uh, and really if you were to think about the ancient world uh, there's three areas maybe or particular context that they would be familiar with Uh, two of those three you're probably more familiar with Uh, But it is the courtroom, the slave market, and the funeral. And uh, these are all, at some point, kind of familiar to us, but very familiar to them. And so we're going to kind of focus in on those. And we'll start with the courtroom. And I think it's important that we consider that. Because in the courtroom, we understand that there are people that are often pronounced guilty. And so uh, maybe some of you today, if you were to stop and consider yourself, you might say, I understand shame, I understand guilt, I understand being in a place where I feel unworthy. Uh, Maybe sometimes, and I've I've really met with a lot of people who, if they're honest, they would say, I don't know that I could be accepted before God. I don't know if uh, my, my guilt could really be dealt with. Uh, maybe it's haunted you uh, for a long period of time in your life. Uh, maybe sometimes you even think as a Christian person, like, I am a hypocrite. And uh, if I'm honest with myself, I am not the person uh, that people think that I am. Uh, deep down within me, there's a lot of pride and arrogance. And there's a lot of sin and, and a lot of evil and, and things that are going on. And so um, maybe you could say, you know, if I were really honest and I was to stand in the courtroom uh, of God, the highest court, I would be found uh, guilty and pronounced guilty. Um, The reality is for some people here today, that is your fate. Like if you were to stand in God's courtroom, you would be standing all alone at the final judgment and the judge of the universe would deal with your every evil thought and every evil evil deed and the verdict would be guilty that that is true of some here your sentence would be eternity in hell yet the reality is the bible presents a way of escape a way where you could receive a not guilty verdict but in good standing with the court The Bible presents that way is through Jesus alone. He alone is the Savior of the world. He alone is the one who would rescue us from our sins. Uh, The reality is, and I think of the song that we sometimes sing in in our church here, of, of those when I think about believers in Christ, those who understand that every evil thought and every evil deed crowned his blood-stained brow. They understand, people here, many of you understand the power of the cross. Christ becoming sin for us. And we understand that we stand forgiven in the cross. 
So because of Jesus' perfect life, and because He died as a sinner for us, we will be saved. We understand that the resurrection revealed that God accepted His sacrifice. He accepted what happened so that we could stand in the courtroom of the final court, the, the, the courtroom of God, and we could be not given a guilty verdict, but rather not guilty in good standing because of what Christ accomplished. I think that is what the Bible presents. So we're going to look at that aspect of the resurrection saying God accepted Jesus' sacrifice and it was proven by the resurrection. Second thing is the idea of the slave market. If you're honest here today, you might say, have you ever struggled with sin? And most of you would say, yes. Have you ever felt like, and I was thinking about this again this week, I was looking back over some notes that I'd put together before and it was like, there's this idea, uh, I have some friends at one time that really wanted me to go and watch UFC fighting, you know, and, and you see these like people in a cage and they're warring against one another. And really what they're trying to do is get the other person like to tap out. But sometimes you feel like in your sin maybe that you can't tap out and you have this ultimate fighter against you and you're overwhelmed by the, the just the intensity of it. Uh, Some of us might say, you know, I feel like that every day of my life. Or there's a particular sin that I'm warring against. And it just seems like I'm in bondage. So, um, if you've never been born again to to the Lord. If you've never come to know Christ. If you've never entered in relationship with Him. Sin does have a hold on you. Like you really are in chains. Whether you feel it or not, you're in bondage. You've been in bondage your whole life. You have never not been there. You were kind of yoked up to sin from the very beginning. You were birthed into sin, born into sin. You're by nature a sinner is how the Bible presents that. And so you're in this kind of, you're in this place all of your life. And so the reality is the resurrection speaks to that. Uh, For those who are in Christ... Uh, we are told that we who are dead in our trespasses and sins, we've been made alive. We have been set free. The bondage has been broken. And so the reality is, is although we still sin and struggle with sin, we really understand the victory's already been won and the chains have already been broken. We just have to learn to believe that and walk in the power of God that He has given us. And the reality is, is we don't do that alone. We do that within the context of a church and, and sometimes the broader community that are helping us fight the good fight. So one of the benefits of the resurrection I just started about or talked about is a courtroom. The idea of being acquitted in the courtroom of God, being declared right with God. The next one is the idea of a slave market. And thirdly, one of the benefits of the resurrection is uh, when we deal with the issue of a funeral. And uh, one of the things that you, you may have struggled with, and I, and I have in my life, where I've watched someone in my family, sometimes at a very young age, my parents did not protect us from the reality of death. I mean, they couldn't at one level. But some parents, I know sometimes they don't want you to ever kind of kids ever to think about that. But we were faced with that on many occasions as children and throughout my adult life. That, that death is a part of this life. And that, that, that living in a fallen world, ultimately, uh, you will die unless Christ returns. Uh, this past Wednesday night, I was talking with Joe, and he, um, 
he was telling me about a couple of friends and, and we had talked about that before and just one of them who was in this horrible condition because of cancer, another who had just died out of the blue and you're just faced with that reality of death and sometimes we like to get that over real quick. You ever hear somebody say, well, when our family with funerals, we like as quick as we can, we, we, we get that done and dealt with and don't think about that again. But the reality is that is a part of this present age and there's something horrifying about it. And if for those of you here, if you are not in the Lord, yeah, death is the last thing you want to be thinking about. You, you want to live, uh, live kind of and not think about that thing. But even for the Christian, there's something that it's heartbreaking. Yet at the same time, the Bible says Jesus was raised and we look forward to that future where we will be raised to. We look forward by faith. That God will bring us into eternal joy and eternal life with Him. So, those things, I think, are very beneficial for you and I as we think about uh, the resurrection. So, I want to talk about the, our hope that's grounded in the resurrection for a minute. And then we'll kind of walk through those uh, quickly together. So, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. And I want you to see this message that Paul preached here in 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 1 through 8. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word, I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in, according with the, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. So Paul is saying he preached this gospel message, that Christ died for our sin. He was buried and He rose again from the grave. He says there were over, and we'll see throughout, there's, there, there were over 500 witnesses over a period of 40 days. This is the center of history. That Christ died, that He rose again from the grave victorious. If you were to like explain, and oftentimes when I talk to people and even with you guys about the gospel, I would say there's a holy creator God. He reigns over all we rebelled against Him. Christ, Jesus, the God-man, came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose on the third day, proving that God was pleased with Him, with His Son, for what He did. And we enter into that relationship with Christ. As the Scripture says, we must believe the Gospel. We come into that by faith. We trust in what Christ did. This is our hope. And what happens is when we see that the resurrection, it validates what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It makes it clear for us. Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15 where you are in verses 12 through 14. He says, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. The resurrection is the grounds for the whole message. It gives us the hope 
that what, what we say Christ did, it, it validates what he accomplished. And it, it really gives us a future. If he were raised, so we too will be raised. If he was victorious over sin, hell, death, and the grave, so too we will be victorious. And so what we're going to say today is we're looking at this, we're going to say, what are the benefits of understanding the resurrection and experiencing what the resurrection accomplished for us? So we're going to kind of walk through that quickly, and hopefully you'll come away with some, some, some thoughts here that will help you. Now, so first question, how did the resurrection of Jesus get rid of my guilt? Again, this takes us into the courtroom. How does it address my guilt? There is a concept in the Bible that we see and, and, and people will speak of. Uh, that it's, it's presented in the scriptures, the idea of justification. And it, I think that probably needs to be defined for us. Justification is an instantaneous legal act of God in which he thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us and declares us to be righteous in his sight. It is this legal declaration where God, in a sense, puts to the account our sins are placed upon Jesus, his righteousness given to us, and God can declare us not guilty but in good standing. And so that is one of those things I think it's very important for us to see. How does someone enter into that? The scripture says in Romans 3 verses 21 through 26, we enter into this gift by faith. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus and it is given to all who believe. They are declared right with God because they have entered into, they have trusted in what Christ accomplished and what he did for them. It's one of those things where God doesn't just, sometimes people say, I'm a little bit better uh, than, than those other people out there. And, and Ann and I were talking about that a little bit yesterday, how sometimes we'll look at somebody and say, well, I'm better than this person or I'm better than that person. And the reality is, that's how some people think it's going to be in the end. If I'm a little bit better than the people that I know, then I'll probably be okay. But that's not how it works. God is, is both, really what we see is God is both just and justifier. That, but in it, what does that mean? It means that when God in his justice like punished Jesus on the cross, he, Jesus endured the wrath of God for us. So God did not like, like just kind of turn a blind eye to our sin, but rather dealt with our sin, placing it upon Jesus on the cross. And at the same time, he's justifying us. So he's judging Jesus for our sins and it makes us right with him. It's a wonderful truth. Now, what does that have to do with the resurrection? I want you to turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 23. And we will look at that through verse or through five two. In Romans four twenty three is where we'll start. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. What, what what's he talking about there? He is saying his good standing with God, where God is counting to him, him right in his sight. 
that was entered into by faith. It, it's not just for him, it was for us also. It was counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses, that is our sins, and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's how we enter into good standing with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, you are not in right standing before God because what you've done, for, because of what you have done. If you were left to stand before God on your own, the verdict would be eternal damnation. You would be sentenced to hell eternally. But the resurrection screams out to us that God has accepted the life and death of Jesus. God declares him right in his sight. God accepts what he has done. Jesus has accomplished for us everything needed. For our salvation. And God says, really, uh, He declares through the resurrection, I've accepted what He's done. So that my acceptability is based upon God proving in time, raising Jesus from the dead on the third day and declaring what Jesus did was, was enough. I'm satisfied with what He did. I am raising Him from the dead and He will never die again. Death has been defeated. Hell has been defeated. All these things have been defeated. And I'm validating that through the resurrection. So, when you think, you know, for instance, oh, I'm so guilty. I don't know what to do. How could God love me? How could I be accepted in His eyes? I do have to look back and say, listen, what was accomplished at the cross was proven at the resurrection. God was satisfied with what Jesus did, and therefore I can be in good standing with Him. No, I do not deserve this, but grace is something I, I, I don't deserve that. His mercy I don't deserve. I do not deserve to be in good standing, but Jesus has made me worthy. By His perfect life, His obedient death, God has said, I am satisfied with what He accomplished. I've entered into that relationship with Him by faith. And now I'm in good standing. Very important for us. The resurrection gives us great hope that our, our guilt has been dealt with. Now, secondly, how did the resurrection of Jesus set me free from sin? There's another concept here. Uh, because we're looking at the slave market. It's the, it's the idea of being born again or the new birth or regeneration. What is that? It's an act by which God imparts new spiritual life to us, sometimes called being born again. It's where God takes dead people and brings them to life. Those who are in bondage and sets them free. And so really, like someone who is dead in their sins, they have no power to do anything different. But God has raised us. Ephesians 2 speaks of our condition. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and whence you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What's he saying? In that dead state spiritually, you are chasing after this age. You're traveling after the world's ways. You're in bondage. You're enchained to, to this dark, evil age. You may not even know it. Likely you don't. 
And you're going after this course and this age and this way. Titus 3.3 says, For we were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. It's like this was, your, this was the way of your life. You were in bondage. That's how you live. Then the big question is, what did God do? It's very closely tied for, to the resurrection for us. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, God, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What's He saying? Because Jesus was raised, so you are raised. It's one of those things that points you back to the resurrection and says this spiritual life that Jesus, you you see in Jesus being raised, He's doing that within us. He sends the Spirit to bring dead people to life. Internally, He's doing a work in us. That is the regenerating power of the Spirit. We don't save ourselves. We don't say, oh, I resurrected myself. If I'm dead at the bottom of the lake, if I'm chained to sin and in bondage, I don't set myself free. But by the power of the resurrection, God now, through the Spirit, He sends to bring dead people to life. And that's one of those things where you're saying, that, that's a huge deal for us. Romans 6 speaks of this, but I'm just going to read uh, a, a couple of verses here. In verse 10 in Romans 6, it says, For the death he died, he died to sin, this speaking of Jesus, once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's saying, Occupy your mind with this reality. You are alive to God in Christ. You're dead to sin, alive to God. You say, I don't feel dead to sin. I know you don't. And I don't either often. But the reality is, because Jesus died and rose again, He he came forth victorious over all. And therefore, you and I need to understand that that's what's happened to us. If we have been united to Him, we experience the resurrection life now. And you say, but I don't feel like it. And I say to you, and I don't either often. But what Paul says here is, consider. You stop, you occupy your mind with that reality, and you consider it to be true. Nail down, you know, like put a stake in the ground in your mind and understand this reality to be true. It's the same way with the idea of justification. If I am in Christ, I'm not guilty. I am declared right in the courtroom of God. And whether I feel right or not, I'm believing what God said. 
And you say, well, I feel in bondage. I feel dead. I feel like sin's got me gripped. No, you come to this place. You occupy your mind with the reality that you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The bondage has been broken. So it's a very powerful thing for us. And if you move forward in that text in Romans 6, it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. See, saying, you believe the right things and you act upon it. You don't say, well, that's just the way I am. That is just something I can't deal with right now. That is an act of unbelief. And that is what sin is in our lives. It is unbelief. It is believing that I have to continue in this way. And part of what it is in our lives to fight sin is to say, no, I do not have to go there anymore. And by God's grace, I'm going to walk in a different way way if you are outside of Christ today you have no real power to overcome your sin if you are in Christ there is power to overcome the Bible doesn't say that we'll get to a place of sinless perfection in this life We will not. You will battle with it. It There there are times where the war is so great, you'll think, how in the world will I ever overcome? But you need to understand, sin is not king anymore. that's, That's one of the benefits of the resurrection. Is sin is not Lord anymore. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the resurrected victorious warrior who won the battle over sin and death. And now we are to occupy our minds with that reality and know that if we've been united to him by faith, we too have experienced that supernatural power. And now I'm trying to live that out. It's a lifelong journey. And I don't do it as a lone ranger. I do it within the context of a community. And like I said, sometimes even I would step outside of even uh, maybe right here where I'm at. And I would reach out to someone and say, help me fight this even better. I have people I call that help me fight against sin. I have some of you who've helped me fight against sin. It's just part of that journey that I'm on to believe the right things and to have others help me put on the full armor of God. To help me stand firm against the schemes of Satan. So, the resurrection ensures that when I stand in the courtroom of God and I might say, if I had to stand there today, he would pronounce guilty. And I would say to you, the reality is, the scripture says that if you are in Christ, if you have entered into relationship with him by faith you are justified that's what the scripture says justified by faith if i'm standing there i will not hear guilty i will hear not guilty in good standing 
Not based upon what I've accomplished, but based upon what Christ has accomplished. His merit. Jesus took my sin. I received His righteousness so God could legally declare I'm right with Him. If we go to the slave market and I'm saying I feel in bondage to my sin, I'm beaten down, I'm broken, and I would say I understand that struggle, but when I get there, I will not find chains gripping me. The only chains are the chains in my mind. Jesus has broken those chains. He has defeated. He has defeated the power of sin. They're they're not holding me any longer. I am returning to a bondage that is not there. Third, how did the resurrection of Jesus cause me to not fear death? When we speak of the resurrection, maybe this is a way to define it. It is a rising from the dead into a new kind of life, not subject to sickness, aging, deterioration, or death. Now this is interesting, just as a side note. There are some people who think that this is right now. They say, if you believe enough, you'll experience this now. But let me say something. You don't have a resurrection body now. You're awaiting that day. This body is deteriorating. We are awaiting a resurrected body. Jesus' resurrection was distinct from all others because He would live eternally. You know, he raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus would die again. But Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. He's the actual only one. His, his resurrection is so distinct that he is the, what the scripture says, the first fruits of the resurrection. And, and as someone in study, God, uh, study time said, and there are others to follow. That is all those who are in Christ. I mentioned uh, Joe earlier struggling with the realities of the loss of, of, of those around him or the potential loss. And I, I just think most of you have faced loss. You know what it's like to see someone uh, struggling in this life. You know what it's like to, to, to lose someone very dear to you. Most of you understand that battle. Um, I told Anna this week, she might be losing me. I mean, I was having that kidney stone thing. And I was going around. I was like, baby, I always tell her I have one foot in Sheol. Y'all kind of, y'all know maybe some, anyway. You get that if you kind of love studying the Old Testament. But I always like kind of say that. And every time that something comes up, I'll think like, this is the end for old Jared. Like, Anna, I love you. I'll sit down and write my last will and testament. All that kind of stuff. But the reality is, is that we are like, we know that that's coming. Death is, is there. It's, 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 it's all around us and we're watching it take place. The resurrection, though, speaks to us. The resurrection speaks to us about death. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty two through 44 So it is with the resurrection of the dead... 
What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And we, we know that we are awaiting this eternal body. Christ is going to raise us from the dead. There's something that's so powerful here that death is swallowed up in victory at the end of 1 Corinthians, it says. It says, oh, death, where is your sting? There is no sting now because the resurrection promises that we will have a future, that we, our bodies may pass away, but we will be brought in this new creation, this new body, transformed completely. We look forward to that day. Now, some of you here, again, you will experience the resurrection, but it will be a resurrection of judgment. So I want you to know, if you are not in Christ, you will experience a resurrection of judgment, eternity in hell without the Lord. But for those who are in Christ, a resurrection to eternal life. And so we're longing for that day where the corruptible will become incorruptible. We can't even fathom the wonder of all that. But the reality is, that's, that, that's what we have to look forward to. So, what will I do? Maybe it's in your mind or wherever. When I find myself in the courtroom. The answer. Jesus gives us his righteousness. And took our punishment. We stand before God. Right in his sight. We are in good standing before him. Because we are united to Jesus. What about. When sin is all around. And I'm struggling. And I find myself in the slave market. Tell myself. Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus brings life to us and sets us free from sin. What about when I'm facing the funeral of someone dear to me or even my own before it comes, but I know that it's coming close? Answer, Jesus promises an eternal future with a glorified body. No more death or disease or crying or sin or pain any longer. So I hope the resurrection to you today would be a great joy as you consider the wonders of it. If you would stand with me at this time. Every week we take the Lord's Supper together and we're reminded of what Christ accomplished for us.